Welcome to San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and I'm here today with Manny Yacoudiel, founder of the popular Manny's Hangout at 16th and Valencia. It's where people go to voluntarily listen to politicians. We're talking today about what it's like to own a business in San Francisco, why people are so eager for civilized political discourse, and who he likes for the 2020 Democratic nomination. I'll be right back with Manny Yacoudiel. Manny Yacoudiel, thanks for joining me today. It's a pleasure. It's been nearly a year since you opened Manny's. In this um, crazy city, what prompted you to open a cafe, bookstore, political hangout? Uh, San Francisco is famous for being tough on small businesses, so this was quite an undertaking. Um, Yes. Well, first, it is one of those kind of slash, slash, (laughs) slash spaces. It is a bunch of things in one, which uh, is necessary uh, because each has a purpose. Um, And the reason why I decided to build it in general is because I felt that it was a bit strange that in a city as civically engaged as ours, Mm -hmm. I couldn't think of a place that had constant civic offerings for the public uh, to answer the question, where can you go to become a better citizen? So Hmm. if you want to watch the Warriors game on my corner at 16 in Valencia, there are about 30 bars that you can expect to screen them. But if you want to watch the Democratic debates or the Mueller testimony or Michael Cohen's testimony or just in general, go to a place where you can become more engaged where would you go? Mm -hmm. And I thought we needed a place like this. And because I couldn't find it easily, I figured I would at least attempt to build it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I actually had the keys to the business that I, it hit me that this was actually going to happen. So it was much of a dream until it actually happened. Then it was like, (laughs) holy shit, this is now a thing and I have to make it work. Yeah. Um, I know you wanted to foster political dialogue. It could be argued there's a lot of that on social media these days, but do you see it being different when people are actually in the same room together? I think the the political dialogue on social media is often to the detriment of the discourse itself. Mm -hmm. And that's partly another forcing factor of why I thought we needed a a physical space. I mean, San Francisco has a long, long lineage of physical civic spaces, just like the one that I have opened. Mm -hmm. My idea is not new, and I'm not reinventing the wheel at all. I'm merely trying to bring back a concept that San Francisco in many ways pioneered. If you look at the beat poets in the coffee shops in North Beach, if you look at what happened on Haight Street in the summer of 1967 and in the bars in the Castro on Polk Street, San Franciscans have been organizing in social spaces for over 75 years. Um, It's just unfortunate that most of these places are gone now. Mm -hmm. Um, These physical civic third spaces are essential to a healthy civic discourse. And the Internet has um, unfortunately, in my opinion, supplanted some of that discourse. And the anonymity of the Internet, the distance that's created, the fact that, you know, you and I are sitting across from each other right now looking at each other. Mm -hmm. I can disagree with you respectfully. It's a lot easier to disagree disrespectfully online, which I think brings down the quality of our discourse. So Mm -hmm. I think we need physical spaces, especially because of social media and what's happened um, to our civic discourse. Do you find that at Manny's people are engaging in political debate or are San Franciscans usually of such one mind that everybody's just kind of anti-Washington, D.C., but kind of preaching to the choir here? Well, as I'm sure you know, having written about San Francisco for a while, um, even though we are a majority Democratic city, we are sliced up into many, many different um, 
colors of the rainbow. Uh, well, they're all blue, but <laughs> they're all blue, shades but, of blue. But all different, sometimes very starkly different shades of blue. Uh-huh. Uh, and yes, I mean, I look at this, the, the Democratic debate watch parties that we've had so far, where you go into a room where every second person has a different candidate that they support and, you know, passionately. But they're all together in one room, uh, watching one debate, exchanging ideas, speaking to each other. Mm-hmm. Last night, we had David Pluff come, who was the uh, campaign manager for President Obama's 2008 campaign, an amazing, brilliant mind. And at the end of the conversation, which was so inspiring, I told everyone that they could not leave the room until they made a commitment to the person next to them about what they would do between now and 2020 to ensure that Donald Trump wasn't elected. Mm-hmm. What swing state were they going to volunteer to? How many hours were they going to put in? And this is this was a moment of, of unity and collective action. And so mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things we're seeing in the space, which is very beautiful. What did you hear people answer? What were they going to do? Oh, I mean, they were choosing the swing state that they wanted most to go to. Or they were choosing the state that they felt they had the most family or friends. I just got a text message from my friend Kelsey who said that her and her husband, because of last night, uh, made a commitment that they were going to quit their job uh, you know, a month or two early and work on GOTV. Mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of things that San Franciscans should expect of each other. And Manny's is not the only space where that's happening. Surely it's happening all over the city, but it's one more space. Mm-hmm. What's been your favorite night at Manny's so far since you opened? That is an impossible question to answer, <laughs> and that is an unfair one. Um, we've hosted over 375 events in less than 11 months. If you do the math. That's more than one a day. That's more than one a day. This week we have two events every evening, and we have we're working at that clip pretty much every day until the election no, this coming November. Uh-huh. So we're. Are you the one scheduling all of that? Um, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I am. Um, I have an amazing events manager, Jupiter Peraza, who helps me um, with the events. But I am kind of brain master and and putting them all together. Mm-hmm. Um, what was my favorite night? Or one that seemed like the crowd was especially like. You know, I mean, okay, this is a bit of a cop-out answer, okay. but I think it's probably, and, and maybe a little bit depressing considering the answer, but it probably has been what would have been my first night because I have to be honest with you, I didn't know if I'd be able to pull this off. I'd mm-hmm. never built a space before. I had never opened up a business like this. And um, it, it wasn't until I had a line around the block going all the way to Mission with people who I didn't know who wanted to see this place um, that I thought, oh my God, this is going to be my life. And the opening night was election night, November 6th, 2018, this past election. And I wanted it to be election night because I wanted to show the utility of a space like this Mm -hmm. uh, on our very first night. So we had a watch party and that was the night that we flipped the house blue and we became the majority again in the house. And it was such an amazing experience to celebrate with other San Franciscans. What was the reaction when that was officially announced that the house had gone blue? Really mm-hmm. jubilant. I mean, we needed that. You know, the first two years of this administration, we really didn't have a light at the, at the end of the tunnel. His power was pretty unfettered. We had the nomination and confirmation of two conservative Supreme Court justices and no majority in either house. And we didn't have uh, a shield to stand behind. And I felt that night there was the first moment of we might be just OK. Mm-hmm. So um, it was jubilant. My mother and my sisters came and they were Where proud do they of me. Live? My mother lives in Los Angeles and my sister, my older sister lives in Rochester. My little sister lives in Beit Shemesh in Israel. Wow. Cool. Um, and are only Democratic uh, people allowed to speak at Manny's or yes. do you have any Republicans? Only Democrats. Oh. Yeah. It's a partisan space. Okay. And I, Tell th- me why you decided that. 
Yeah, so there were there were that was one of the first decisions I had to make, which was okay, Manny, you want to build this physical civic space, fine, sure. Uh, what is the purpose? Is the purpose to bring people with vastly different opinions together, and to put a finer point on it, people that are identify as conservative or Republican, and people who identify as liberal and Democrat? Is it a place for them to come together, or is it something else? And I realized uh, two things. One. Um, what we need now, I believe, in our politics is a stronger, better informed and more involved left. Mm-hmm. I think we need that. I think the left has a lot of work to do. And I've seen it firsthand. And so actually what's useful, in my opinion, to our politics is a stronger, better informed left. Secondly, I did a lot of research um, about w- the history of these physical civic spaces in other cities. And the ones that were successful, meaning that they actually served a good purpose, represented the community that they were in. Mm-hmm. They weren't trying to force something upon the community, but they actually were uh, a gathering point, a magnet for the community. And San Francisco is not a purple city. It is a, it is a staunchly blue city. It's a liberal city. And there's lots of differentiating factors within that. But um, it wouldn't have been responsive to the community that it was built in. Now, if we had done this in St. Louis or Houston or Atlanta, New Orleans, even, you know, Washington, D.C., it might be a little bit different. But San Francisco, would I think it would have felt inauthentic. Hmm. So if there's like a debate, like I'm going to be hosting um, the district attorney one next month, um, let's say one of those candidates was not registered as a Democrat, was either independent or a Republican, would they not be allowed to participate? If they were registered as an independent, they would. If, if they're registered as a Republican, they wouldn't. Wow. Okay. Have you gotten any pushback on that? No. No. <laughs> there's no Republicans here to protest. I mean, um, no one, no Republicans have asked, I mean, asked to come speak at the space. I've had some, you know, I get a lot of outreach and a mm-hmm. lot of emails, as I'm sure you do. Yes. And so I'm thinking through of all the things that I, the kind of commentary that have been brought from the community about my programming and what they'd like to see or not see. The amount of people who've said, I'd like to see more Republicans <laughs> or more conservative voices uh-huh. has been very small, just yeah. a handful of people. And they have a good point. I think our country could use a little bit more uh, empathy and understanding. My family voted for Trump, my, you know, and, and I come from a conservative family. Hmm. And so I have to, I know firsthand the need, you know, this is my family, I love them, uh, to ask people questions. Why'd you do that? What's that about? Um, I don't know that that's what San Francisco needs right mm-hmm. now. Okay. Um, how many Democratic presidential candidates have you hosted at Manny's, or can you not count that high? 17. 17? 17. Oh and we are in conversation with Biden, Sanders, and Warren's teams. They're wow. the last three. We just hosted Senator Warren's social media director, which on a campaign that is digital forward, that is basically almost exclusively run on social media, is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And on Friday, we have Jill Biden, who's Doctor, who's Joe Biden's wife. Mm-hmm. So we are circling around those three candidates. Yeah. And we hope to get them soon. Okay. But 17 out of the 20. And I, I don't know what what other spaces on the West Coast have hosted 17 of the Democratic candidates, mm-hmm. um, but I'm really proud of it. That's cool. Um, you worked on the 2012 campaign for Barack Obama, right, and the 2016 campaign for Hillary Clinton. That's correct. Um, who do you like for 2020? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a candidate. No? Why not? Well, um, why not? For a few reasons. One, I don't think it serves the purpose of the space that has my name on it mm-hmm. for me to be aligned with a particular candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, I truly want anyone who's running for any office, whether it's president or House or Senate, to feel like my small business is for them also. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, I mean that very deeply because my personal opinions shouldn't matter. But as long as they're Democrats. As long as yeah. they're Democrats. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Uh, secondly, 
I think it's a it's a tough race to call right now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, like I said, David Pluff was there last night, and this time during the 2008 primaries, I and mean, Barack Obama was way low in the polls. He was slumping. No one thought he'd be able to get the nomination, and he ended up getting the nomination and becoming the president of the United States. So. Uh, I think it's a little bit foolish to choose sides right now for someone like me who is just kind of listening and learning. And mm-hmm. I've been inspired by many of them. And I just honestly don't have a candidate. Okay. Uh, what did you take from Elizabeth Warren's social media director? I was just listening to a podcast about how she um, will wait in line for hours and hours and hours and do selfies until the last person is, has left. So Anastasia is amazing. Uh-huh. She's an incredible young woman. She's 26 years old. And the reason why I wanted to bring her to Manny's was not just because she's so young and running this major presidential campaign social media, which has millions and millions of followers, but also she received a diagnosis of pretty aggressive brain cancer not long after getting the job. And so was in San Francisco receiving treatment for brain cancer and and has continued to do the job and also um, is going to be moving to Boston in a couple of weeks uh, to be in headquarters. So I thought that was super inspiring. That is. What I learned is that Senator Warren is a people's candidate, Mm -hmm. meaning that the thing that seems to give her the most energy and fuel is that one-on-one interaction with her people, Mm -hmm. with the voters. And that's partly why she does those selfie lines. Apparently, she was adamant about doing them. I mean, any campaign staff would have told her that's not a good use of your time. Like four hours in a selfie line, take a couple selfies and go make, go on TV, go Mm -hmm. do a call time, go to another event. But Uh, Apparently, Senator Warren said that she must have that. And it's probably the kind of thing that gives her energy. That's probably Mm -hmm. what she likes. That says a lot about her. Yeah. And the fact that she's drawing these enormous crowds is telling. Mm -hmm. What do you think the Democratic Party's chances are of taking back the White House? I think it's going to be close. Yeah. I think it's going to be close um, because I think the right is going to have a really major turnout operation Mm -hmm. because... Um, we've had close elections before with much longer uh, understandings of who the clear primary winner uh, was going to be, meaning that they were able to divert their attention to strong ground games in all 50 states, putting up ads in all 50 states. Uh, Because of our contested primary, which will probably go on until June, it means that whoever the nominee is, is going to have historically little time to actually develop a strong general election game. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be uh, scary. This man has an extremely energized base who I believe he could do no wrong in their eyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is not the case on the left. There's plenty you can do wrong in the eyes of the left. (laughs) And that is a good thing. And it means that when it comes time for us to all hold hands and do what needs to be done to fight for progressivism, uh, it can be harder. Mm -hmm. And that scares me a little bit. There's a lack of unity on our side and we need it Mm -hmm. desperately. We need to get over the things that separate us and realize that there is a true enemy and his name is Donald Trump and we must defeat him. Well said. Um, Switching gears, I've heard from many small business owners in San Francisco that they're frustrated by City Hall's regulations uh, that they put on them. And I was wondering if you are frustrated running a small business at all. Well, I was at the hearing Uh, This past week that the Board of Supervisors called with a group of small businesses in the restaurant industry, which is what Manny's is. It's a restaurant. And it was heartbreaking to hear, frankly, businesses that are much more successful than Manny's talk about how difficult it is, uh, both financially and as it relates to human capital, uh, hiring and retaining labor. And I think that is 
putting kind of city hall regulations aside, the hardest thing about running a small business in San Francisco is knowing that even with, you know, one of the highest minimum wages in the country, there's just no way to pay employees enough for them to have a life of dignity in the city. Mm-hmm. It's just almost impossible to do that. And I don't know how that gets solved because um, most businesses' employees don't live in the city. And so they're commuting from far away, which even on BART is expensive if you think about how much that costs mm-hmm. either way. They can't afford to enjoy the city that they're working in and the residents that they're serving. And that is an that is a huge problem. And it's something that needs to be addressed. I know that City Hall is focusing on the issue of small businesses because there have been a lot of high-profile closures. That's a good thing. It should focus. And there's changes that can be made. There's greater coordination that can happen between departments. There are an immense amount of fees placed on small businesses. I've already paid over $1,000 in false alarm fees. So if you... What are those? It, so if you are a small bu- if you are a small business and you accident your alarm goes off accidentally your alarm uh-huh. and the police are called you get fined but the fines are uh, they build on each other so that if it happens once it's only you know hundred fifty dollars if it happens twice it's two hundred dollars by the fourth time I think it's something like three hundred dollars and we had a vendor that kept triggering our alarm because they were delivering baked goods in the morning. And they didn't realize it was going off. Mm. And the fees racked up. And for a small business, $1,000 is a lot. Yeah. It can That could be your profit margin for a while. So those kinds of things can really eat into your ability to operate successfully. Mm-hmm. So I think there's there are some fees that can be reduced. And I know that the board and the mayor are working on it. And uh, But I think the, the harder problem is talent, human beings, not just finding them, but paying them what they need to live in the city. Are you having a hard time staffing Manny's? No, I'm not. And I'm lucky. And that's partly because of the mission of the space. You know, we offer, you know, the ability to work in a business that is serving high quality food and beverage, you know, at a busy intersection in a community that's great. And on top of that has a really, really clear and distinct social justice purpose. The reason Manny's is here is not to serve coffee. Mm -hmm. It's not here to to nourish people's bellies. There are plenty of fabulous institutions in San Francisco, frankly, that do that better than us. What we do is we can do that and then bring you into social justice, to civic engagement. So all of our employees care about something mm-hmm. and they're working in a place that has an opinion, mm-hmm. right? We, our employees joined the climate strike. We're hosting the LGBT forum that happened by GLAD this past week. We raised $15,000 for immigrant children in the mission on August 4th for a day of action. We're doing another brunch benefit in three weeks to preserve the murals of the mission. We're not just politically engaged, you know, on the side because it's nice. That is the reason why mm-hmm. we're here. And that inspires my employees. Great. Well, you've survived the serious questions and now it's time for our lightning That's round. That's it? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Oh my God! I am. I'm a mission business. I can't. That's a. That's not. That is a serious question. <laughs> okay, this is going to get me in trouble. Okay. Because it is. It is. I like getting people in trouble. I. I know that. Um, my favorite burrito is the super salmon burrito, easy on the sour cream at uh, Little Chihuahua on Valencia and Seventeenth. Okay. The staff there is amazing. The salsa is incredible, and that burrito is unmatched, in my opinion. <laughs> What's your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? 
I liked, this is going to say a lot about me, but I liked Blue Jasmine. Uh-huh. That's a good one. <laughs> Maybe that just shows that I'm like an angsty, depressed, you know, gay teen or something. But <laughs> I thought it was a beautiful movie. Um, it was beautifully acted, and I think it showed the more somber side of our city. Mm-hmm. Where do you like to go for a stiff drink? A stiff drink? Probably Jolene's. Uh-huh. Um, Jolene's is a relatively new queer bar on 16th and Harrison. And they're fabulous. All of their uh, alcohol comes from queer-owned, uh, not all of them, but a lot of their alcohol comes from queer-owned distilleries. Mm-hmm. And Jolene and Shannon, the owners, are friends of mine. And I'm I'm a big believer in, you know, vote with your dollars, right? You can choose to drink coffee anywhere, right? We serve free coffee and tea to homeless folks or anyone that needs it in the street. Our restaurant is run by a nonprofit that hires formerly homeless and formerly incarcerated individuals. You can choose to have lunch anywhere you want in San Francisco. Why not choose a place that's hiring people who otherwise may not be hired, right? Mm-hmm. So Jolene's I choose because of who owns it and where their alcohol comes from and they're, what they're trying to do. Cool. What was your first concert? Phoenix. <laughs> uh, in Los Angeles at the Troubadour before they were famous. Wow. That's my one cool story. <laughs> Um, it was, I think it was in ninth grade or something, or I don't even know how I got into the Troubadour, but I, uh, my friend was opening for them and oh, I nice. went to see Phoenix. I still have the t-shirt that I bought from them. They were selling their own merch at the time because they were unknown and uh-huh. now they're, you know, super famous French band. Cool. What was the last book you read? Be- oh my God. The last book I read was Becoming. It was so good. <laughs> it was good. I cried. Oh. I went to Montana for Labor Day weekend alone. And I drove, I rented a car and I was driving through the mountains and listening to Michelle Obama on audiobook because I was driving and yeah. I wanted to be a safe driver. Uh-huh. And then reading it, the re- reading what I hadn't heard her narrate in diners and coffee houses. And oh my God, I mean, it brought me back to such an amazing time. It taught me what graceful love feels and looks like. Mm-hmm. It was aspirational. It was inspiring. And I was so sad when it ended. Yeah. Because then you're back in reality. Because then I'm back in reality. <laughs> and reality is not as fun without oh, Michelle Obama narrating it, you True. know? What is your favorite depiction of politicians in movies or on TV? Oh, I sound like such a stereotype here, but probably President Bartlett in The West Wing. I knew you were going to say that. How did you know that? <laughs> I mean, I grew up on The West Wing, and I watched, I've watched it a couple times. And I am an idealist and an optimist. I believe in the best of people. Mm-hmm. And I believe that people are generally trying to do good. Mm-hmm. That gets that that's something that hasn't changed yet. And um, I hope it doesn't. And what the West Wing did for me was, even though it was fiction, it created a world where my idea of politicians, my idea of what politics could do was nurtured, mm-hmm. that there were good people out there that mm-hmm. really wanted to do good in spite of everything and were willing to risk it all. And you know what? If you look at our politics, not just San Francisco, but nationally, there are profiles in Courage every day mm-hmm. who are taking the hard votes, who are losing their jobs over what's right. And I have had the privilege at Manny's to meet so many amazing, especially young folks of color, running for office and winning office, um, displaying immense courage. Sharice David's Congresswoman Sharit Savids and Congresswoman Zochi Torres-Small were both at Manny's last Monday. These are two young women who flipped Republican districts blue, ran against all odds. And when I meet people like that, I'm like, the West Wing lives. It lives in you. (laughs) You hosted a reading of the entire Mueller report. Did you have extra espresso on hand to keep people awake? (laughs) 
Um, well, we are pretty loose with our espresso and our coffee anyway, because like I said, <laughs> we give free tea and coffee to anyone who needs it. And yes, we provided coffee to anyone who was in attendance uh, for free throughout the day. Maybe I'll revise my earlier answer. <laughs> I think that was probably one of my favorite things that we did. Really? It was 16 hours. It was... That's a lot. It was, you know, over 50 people, I believe, from all walks of life. I was proud of that for a couple of reasons. So, yes, we did have extra espresso. <laughs> so that is the answer to your question. Okay. And... Um, what, what I was proud of is San Francisco is not known as being the most united city, especially now. And I think it's something that we can work on mm-hmm. as a city. And folks from all walks of San Francisco life, right, from what we consider our conservative faction to what we consider our farthest left faction, from our authors to our activists to our politicians to our reporters, all came to one place to take part in a collective ritual to read from a book. And that was so damn inspiring to see. By the way, without much nudging, I mean, everyone said, yes, absolutely. Tell me when you need me there. And it was beautiful. Eleni Kunalakis came and Scott Wiener, David Chu, Amy Farrell Weiss, David Eggers. I mean, it was beautiful. Cool. I'm going to keep you to a short answer on this one. Impeachment of Trump. Yay or nay? Yay. Okay. Lastly, what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Exercise. I have to. I have to exercise. What do you do for exercise? I do. I go to the Castro uh, Fitness SF Uh and I have, you know, a couple things that I do. And then I I go to yoga if I can. I have a great relationship with the yoga studio next to Manny's Love Story. Mm -hmm. They support us and they're amazing. Um, So I I do yoga because life is stressful. Running a small business is very stressful. Politics is stressful. Politics is stressful. And so I've decided to engage in all three, life, politics, and small business, (laughs) because I'm an idiot. And uh, so I do yoga, and then I go to, I love the Castro Fitness SF, because Mm -hmm. it's a community in there. You see people, it's lovely to be in what feels like a very queer-friendly gym. You're not trying to be a different kind of man, especially, Mm -hmm. and I love that, and um, I go there as much as I can. Cool. Well, thank you for making time for us in your stressful. Let's busy keep going. Day. <laughs> I want to keep answering questions. Is, I never, I'm never the one being interviewed. I'm always the one asking questions. This is well, so much Well, maybe we'll more have fun. you back for a part two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you for interviewing me, Heather. <laughs> thank you. Thank you to Manny Yukudiel for joining me today, to King Kaufman and Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and to you for listening. San Francisco City Insider is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe and give us a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. Support San Francisco City Insider and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.